I used to do lots of things. All right, welcome everyone to the latest episode of the Reckless Musecast. Uh, we've got a special guest, Obeid Omer. Thank you for coming on, man. Um, so I, I was actually on your podcast, uh, Dangerous Speech, uh, a couple years back. Um, so so it's it's it's. I'm glad that uh, I got to return the favor, have you come back on air. Oh, hey Joe, thanks for coming, having me on. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah, um, we spoke a little while back. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about your background and kind of how you've you've um, ended up in the culture war. Okay, well, I had no interest in any of this stuff, and mm-hmm. so before social media and every, everything. Right? So in two thousand two, I went overseas and I started working as a contractor in the military. And I came back to Canada in 2014. Now, in that time, you know, social media was invented, but I had limited use on bases. And uh, it just, like, I didn't, I wasn't on, I didn't see anything that was going on. So when I came back to Canada, it was like a huge culture shock because, uh, and a lot of it revolved around Islam. Uh, so, you know, I mean, my last mission overseas was uh, supporting NATO troops in Afghanistan. I come back and, you know, I'm criticizing things like the hijab, and I, I get called a white supremacist. Amazing. Yeah. And I was like, where the hell is this? I actually place? had that. I, I had that. Uh... Bracketed. I do want to go over your your Newsweek piece uh, after you give us your background because I did have that bracketed and I forget the the comment I had right here. Yeah, um, strangers called me a white supremacist for saying the hijab was misogynistic. The mental gymnastics that someone has to go through to call you a white supremacist. <laughs> but, I actually but, I actually love it. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean that just like things like that just led me to seeing what happened, what went on, hmm. and. Um, after I got back, I actually ended up going to Northern Canada and living in an Inuit community, like a fly-in only community. So there wasn't much else mm. to do. So I just went online a lot and uh, I just started looking into this. And then around 2017, 18, that's when I should really started getting into reading intersectionality, race theory, gender and queer theory, uh, not so much of that stuff, but still some of it. And it's just, I mean, it's awful yeah um and that's i mean that's how i got i I got into this because i was like my dog you know like like the only dog i have in any fight is free expression that's pretty much that's what it just comes down to and it was basically new de facto blasphemy laws that i was seeing coming up like more and more but there's a thing in islam called the sirat al-muslim which is it's kind of it, Christianity has something as well. There's like a I can't remember the chapter first, but it's you know um, uh, narrow is the way and small is the door that leadeth leadeth to light or something like that or life. Mm-hmm. And the start the most pain in Islam is the narrow path that will lead you to heaven. 
you have to pass that on all sides sin and temptation no but with this stuff it's like you got to juggle about 20 of them no and it's mm. you know um so yeah it was just like that's basically how i got into this i just i was like what's going on where did this come from and then when i saw it i saw how pervasive it had become and you know people just people were taking it at face value anti-racism sounds good right you know yeah diversity yeah sure diversity sounds good no yeah. but you know meanings of words change yes i mean you saw some of it like the thing with what's your name um amy call me bryant or what about barrett like the, barrett, like, yeah. yeah yeah when she said sexual preference and then within 12 hours the dictionary definition of sexual preference changed yeah this was a big this was a big uh uh summer 2020 thing where like websters and dictionary.com were changing definitions to terms and we know that like people overuse some terms like orwellian but that like actually is orwellian like textbook <laughs> yeah. now like from the book that's what they would do is change what words mean yeah um so i like i don't think it's a stretch there i do want to talk about so because because uh you you laid out in those few minutes a lot of um what's in your article here with newsweek that i think i read when you first published this like before um yeah. i mean that was before i even knew joe actually um or we started this podcast right that was like april 2021 yeah that was before we started the show so yeah, yeah. um I, I i do remember reading this and i remember watching live this the sam harris interview on bill maher um like i remember ben watching affleck. that yeah the ben affleck yeah. sam harris on, yeah. on bill maher um that was one thing like like i was very i considered myself like very much a progressive at that time um kind of the 2014 to 20 probably 18 nine, like 18 19 time like very social justice warrior progressive but that was one thing i never really understood was the ben affleck side of, of i was always very much pro free speech i still consider free speech like a a, a left um like a, a left ideal and mm -hmm. and the like i would always say like but like these fundamentalist muslims are the ones who like are so against so many of the liberal values that like i never understood why liberals would defend them and even then like even in my kind of peak progressive uh mode i remember like not understanding the ban affleck side and and you're right and you say it here when you can just when here I'll, I'll quote you once they started calling it racist to criticize islam it was easy to shut the conversation down completely because that's one of the worst things that you can be called in the western world at least is a racist it's so taboo it's it's i always bring up the example of when we, there was that georgia shooter uh last year maybe or two years ago who shot up all of the sex workers in uh georgia this is a guy who brutally murdered a bunch of not just women but people but like mostly asian women but not all he killed some white people too but he murdered all these people in cold blood and he was out there saying like whoa 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 i'm not a racist i didn't do it because they're asian i did it because they're sex workers like that's how bad being a racist is. It's like he even came out i was like i'm guys i'm not that bad so, like, that's, that's, right like and because because he's like you know stop with the stop asian hate hashtag i didn't do it for that reason um mm -hmm. and and you're right so like and that's what that's yeah you know i think you nail it there which is 
once you start saying some things racist or uh, transphobic or anti-Semitic or whatever, it really shuts down conversation. Um, so uh, yeah, but it's it's not to shut down conversation, but when something really racist or transphobic or anti-Semitic or whatever happens, mm-hmm. it like people question it. Like people are going to start questioning: Is this really happening, or is this just you know more BS? But like one of the things with this, um, sorry, like if you look at so again the Ben Affleck thing, like I was again, I'm like, where is this coming from? What are you talking about? And but the more I just started digging into it, and I'm gonna just go on a little tangent for a second. So in yeah. 2019. The protest started in Hong Kong, and there were "quote unquote" serious people in the West who said, "You know, because these protesters were flying the American flag, the uh, you know, Union Jack, and mm. the so there were but there were like these people in the West that said that, well, democracy is a form of colonialism." And they would be better off with the CCP. <laughs> and the, 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 yeah. I can I can send you the link to the New York Times article. They wrote they had an op-ed piece that's the almost exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm not saying Ben Affleck has gone into post-colonialism, uh, you know, post-colonialist theory and all this stuff. And right? yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe he has. I have no clue. Right? Mm. But there's an aspect of that, and like that gets in. That's already in the Middle East, and because of like the Muslim Brotherhood and Hassan al-Banna, he, like some of his stuff kind of helped foster the post-colonialism. But anyways, so that's gone into the Middle East and they say, well, you're just trying to bring in Western values and you're just trying to colonize us again when you try to bring in enlightenment values. Yeah. Hmm. Instead of going back and looking at where some of the thought of the enlightenment came from and some of it was because, you know, Persians, North Africans, um, but it was part of the golden age of Islam. They preserved Greek philosophy. Yeah. And it was because of that. But I mean, like they, like they make it sound like it's okay. It's another form of colonialism. And so Affleck was just parroting a distillation of that. So it's, you know, to say that Muslims aren't civilized or whatever Muslims have, a you know, or ISIS or Islam even has a very archaic honor code. And and things like that. That's being racist because you're putting Western values onto it. Hmm. Um, I mean, there's okay, there's a piece. Uh, I think it came out of Duke University. It was a paper titled a "Virtuous Cut," and it was talking about the virtues of FGM, so female genital mutilation, hmm. because again, it was putting Western values when they were trying to stop that from going on. And yeah. Yeah, so, it's, yeah, it's it's sick and. Uh, I do agree. And I think if you phrased it more and like, I'm actually a huge um, fan of Spanish history, which, you know, and tons of the um, Greek and Roman uh, breakthroughs came from, you know, like you said, were preserved by the Arabs in North Africa that went up into Spain and created like relatively very enlightened kingdoms and, and, and caliphates and in medieval Spain compared to Europe. Now, of course, they did barbaric things compared to today's standards, but that's anywhere in the world, really. Yeah. But um, 
you know, they don't really want to look at it that way. I, and I remember Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about like, there used to be all these stars named after uh, like Arab philosophers and a lot of like algebra comes from uh, Arabic and uh, a lot of these, yeah. uh, you know, these pro uh, progressions in mathematics and astronomy and all those things. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, why, I don't understand why we can't have like, like why can't they be like universal values uh, yeah. and, and whether they come out of Pakistan or Spain or Canada or whatever, like, I, I don't see what, and I, and I feel like that's actually like a lot of these people are very pro like globalist and you would think that part of being globalist is having global values. And I, we, I definitely don't consider myself a globalist, but yeah, go right. ahead, Joe. Well, no, I was every once in a while, I'll see someone post something on Twitter where it's like, you know, math is racist because it was, it was created by white people. And it's like that idea alone is racist because it ignores all the contributions yeah. from like, you know, Egypt and the Middle East China and China and, and, yeah. and, and yeah. Aztecs and Minds. It's like you're ignoring, it's like mathematics is like this beautiful conglomeration of all these ideas from, from different parts of the yeah. world. So like when you say that only white people created uh math it's like that's actually a racist idea it's yeah, a racist <laughs> assumption exactly <laughs> okay but i i can i can give you the rebuttal to that right because mm. i've heard it i've seen it yeah. yeah well that just goes to show you that white people appropriated that and they kept it from themselves and they turned it to their system because if you look at some parts of africa they counted base 16 whereas white people's mathematics is based and um you know they they have they have answers but it's they go according to their dogma, mm -hmm. just like any fundamentalist religious person would go according to their dogma. It's, right. That's yeah. that's that's basically. I mean, a lot of people have talked about this. John McWhorter, you know, yeah. talked about it. James Lindsay's talked about it. I mean, I think it was him and Helen Buckrose that did that article uh, about like, the date of social justice. Mm. That that was another thing I want to. Uh... Because we, you know, the, the term that came out of 2020, which I know this predates 2020, a lot of this was uh, early 2010s thing. If not, I, I think it, I guess you go all the way back to like the 60s, really, through the critical, the critical theory through the 60s and 70s into like, but I, I feel like the term that you, it used to be used all the time was like political correctness in the 90s was real big um, through the 2000s and then the 2010s. I feel like I just missed it in college. I graduated 2013. I feel like it was very, very little, like like coming through, like what we have today was coming through then. And and then like early 2010s, and then when Trump was elected, it like went off the rails and that yeah. and and really culminated in 2020. And and we always, you know, there's the term the great awakening um that we use a lot. But I feel like here we're always kind of um comparing it to a Puritan Christianity. Like um, you know, Great Awakening, even coming from Great Awakening, which was this very fundamentalist Christian American history, and it is interesting to see um, someone with your background comparing it to you know your what you are accustomed to in, in a fundamentalist uh, rel fundamentalist religion, and um, you know I, I would like to hear kind of you, you talk about that some more. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, there, there's I see like okay. I see some comparisons with Islam, but I can also see some comparisons with Christianity. It's, it's, it's fundamentalism, and it—I mean, you know—I know a lot of people go into the it's Marxist and all that, whatever. But like you see it, you know, comparisons with communism as well. Um, yeah, it's just—they're all fundamentalist ideals. It's just the way they're authoritarian that's kind of different. So with Islam, like there's a—I think I wrote about it in that piece. There's a 
there's a thing called like itch jihad. So it's a type of jihad that you do internally. It's introspection. So when they say stuff like check your privilege uh-huh. and all that, like, you know, you're looking in at yourself and seeing like how you were racist and how, or, you know, how your privilege allowed you to do something that someone else you know couldn't, or how you were pressing someone. And it's, that reminds me of that. There's, um, you know, it's <clears throat> the blasphemy laws, you know, obviously it's just, I mean, Christianity does have blasphemy laws in the text, but it's not really, you know, there's no real Christian country that has blasphemy laws that are being enacted. Right. Yeah. As yeah. far as I can tell. Um, but, you know, Muslim countries, you can get, you can get killed for, for blasphemy. So, yeah. uh, there's a big mm-hmm. difference there. So that, that was how it matched up with Islam. There's, you know, but then with the Christianity thing, like the, the whole, um, uh, it's uh, it, it's what's that concept? It's uh, it's something like total corruption, or it, it's like an evangelical belief, and it's 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 sin is everywhere. Sin is all around you, and mm-hmm. there's no way you can not get immersed in sin. But the only way to protect yourself is act like you're one of the elect. So, I mean, John McWhorter has okay. talked about the election. So it's, you know, so there's that part of it, which is, you know, a Protestant thing that's coming from there. I mean, a lot, I mean, it did come out of the U.S. It did come out of U.S. middle class people. Yeah. And, I would say that, that reminds me of like Robin D'Angelo. She has, isn't there that famous quote from her? It's like, you know, the question isn't, you know, did, did racism happen here? It's how much of it or, or something like that. You know, which quote? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not did racism manifest. It's how it's not, did it manifest? It's how it manifested in that situation. So right. it, it's always there. It's how it's been. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, remember Joe, we were talking about, uh, and I, here's like the exact comparison that uh novel and, movie the devil all the time like the devil's everywhere it, like, like it's a very real part of our it's kind of like racism is everywhere it's just how do you uh i guess i don't know mitigate it fight back against it make it but yeah you always have to be aware of it you always have to you know confront it you always you know you always have to look internally it sounds so and, exhausting like yeah. that's what that's what kimmy tatiti <laughs> kimmy tatiti was talking about she's been yeah. on our show she's a um I don't know what, what what is she's a rapper an artist and gives skater. talks and yeah skater she's she's kind of renaissance woman yeah. and um she was talking about that she came very much from a background of constantly looking for conflict like constantly looking for racism and microaggressions and um just like how horrible of living that was yeah. and just she had some i think she had like a, a an awakening or something something happened and she was like i can't live this way and she totally change your tune but it's like yeah it just sounds like a terrible way to live your life yeah 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 oh no it's it just it's awful but it's it's also conditioning like i'd written a twitter thread on this after i spent about 18 months of reading almost nothing i want to talk about that after yeah. yeah um so i um i talked about when i was working overseas so i was working in war zones i was on bases and anytime we left a base like every couple of months they'd give us refresher refresher trainings on like all our you know like quick thing on like you know, like doing like CPR and stuff like that and like you know, that it, it'd be like mind awareness training and situational training for 
every time you look at base, you also got to quick refresh on mind awareness. So you were taught that all the time. And then I remember like, it was just before I stopped working overseas, I was back on leave and my brother happened to be in Montreal as well. And we went and saw a movie coming back. It was about you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. We stopped at a red light, there's a bus stop and there's a box of diapers at the box stop. And the first thing that went through my head is that's an IED. Oh, you know, I'm downtown Montreal. Right? It's mm. not an IED. Right, right. Or the chances that it is. It's but I was conditioned to think like that. Mm-hmm. And after reading this stuff right. for that long, without even like thinking about it, in everyday situations, I would start seeing rapes. And like, I would start calibrating who's more oppressed and who's upward, you know, like, and it was just, it was like, and it wasn't all the time, but I would just catch myself doing it sometimes. And I'm like, no, like it's, so there is a conditioning involved in this. And it's the more you get it, the more you hear it over. And it's, I mean, that's, it's like anything else, right? It's like, so, you know, it's in K through 12 now, pretty much all across well, it's all across mm-hmm. Canada. It's you know, quite a lot in the U.S. And, well, there you go. You're conditioning kids to see everything through this lens. So that's how they're going to see the world. I th- well, I think that's such. I think that is part of it. And I, I can also speak from experience when I was talking about like kind of my past when I was very. Um, I label myself as very progressive. There is this uh, enjoyment that comes out of the positive um what what's what's the term like positive uh, not affirmation but um, reinforcement yeah positive reinforcement of saying the quote-unquote right thing because when i was actually younger i was very very conservative i, I was a i was voted for john mccain in high school i was very much a, a, a republican um by law school i was very much a progressive um and I remember feeling uncomfortable. I grew up in a very liberal area and, you know, it wasn't like you get a type, but, but you would get sneered or, um, you know, you were usually in the minority of voices saying anything conservative. This was, you know, the early two thousands was the Bush era, Iraq war, all of that. Um, and then in law school, you're saying all of the progressive things when Trump was just elected, Trump was elected in my two L years. So I'm in the meat of law school and it feels nice. Like, and you get very little pushback. And although uh, there are definitely conservative students, um, they're not speaking up, especially when it's Trump. Like, it's not even Bush or, you know, Romney. I mean, this is Trump who just got elected. So they are keeping quiet and you can crack remarks left and right and you don't get any pushback, even if I was just saying the talking points. And I think that becomes addictive. And now when you're starting, when you're in kindergarten or first grade and you're growing through high school in a lot of these schools and you're constantly getting the positive reinforcement, um, you're not surprised when we have an army of 22 year olds in this country and in Canada who have these really toxic beliefs because they think that they're like, right. Like, like they, they're so, they have their convictions and they think that they're like fighting the good fight. And, and I, I understand that because I came from that. Like, I very much believe that. It's not only that though. Okay. So, uh, this is a really well-documented case. So I use it a lot, but Mm-hmm. There's a school in New York City that was K through eight, the Dalton Academy. Yeah, it's very school, expensive. Yeah, like forty grand a year or something. Like yeah. That. So in 2015, 
they started separating kids from third grade to eighth grade um, into racial affinity groups for 45 minutes a week. Hmm. And they sent letters home to parents and saying, how does your child uh, or how would you like your child to identify racially, especially if you're like mixed race kids. And so they told all the kids, well, they told all the white kids that you're oppressors, you, it's your fault that all these people have been oppressed. They told all the other kids, it's whitey's fault that you're oppressed, you're oppressed, you've been held down. Now, kids being kids, they started going online and doing things like, uh, what's good about you know being white? What's good about being black? What's bad about being Hispanic? Like just, they went online and within a matter of a few months, <laughs> these kids started spouting like really ethno-nationalistic like you know yeah. it could have come out of like the kkk or like but you know like like the, yeah yeah the, the, he like the black israelites or whatever those people are like i mean it just it was nuts yeah and these kids were and it's okay you got them to hyper focus on race you got to focus on their differences they started looking it up online and i, I mean the school's still having um still having like racial issues to this day because well gee what did you expect yeah. and so it's yeah. it's and it's not just okay the, the the racial thing but it's also if you're constantly told that you you're either an oppressor or that you're oppressed from that young age you know that's not going to lead to like mentally well-adjusted people mm-hmm. okay we i don't want to get into a gun debate but Sure. They, all the all these shooters and whatever, and they're like, oh, they you know got serious mental problems. Are like eighteen to twenty two year old guys. Yeah. And if that's the stuff that they've been taught to believe, and it's you know it's warped your mind. Like, you know, now they're talking about oh, there's an increase in suicide in teens, and there's an increase in, like they, a lot of it does have to do with COVID. But what are you feeding these kids in school? That's right. making, completely warping their brains and. You know, some of these people are acting out violently and going, you know, shooting up a bunch of people. All these suicides that are happening, how many of those might have gone and killed a, a bunch of other people, but they took themselves out? It's just. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Bill Maher was talking about this on one of his. I can't, I think is when he went on Ben Shapiro's show a while back, but he was talking about his criticisms of, of, uh, teaching kids about, you know, uh, uh, privilege and all that shit. And he goes, yeah, like, you know, right now we're seeing, you know, kids coming home from school saying, Hey mommy, am I racist? And then he's like, you're five. You don't even know what the word racist means. Yeah. Like, stop, like you should not like go learn math, go learn how yeah, to how read. About we teach them how to read. Like instead, <laughs> instead of teaching the shit, it's, it's really sick. Oh, I don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah, don't get me started on the teaching thing. Like that. Yeah, I know. that's a whole other. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, yeah, teach them how to read and uh, read and write and do math. No. You know, like, what is it? I think, I think nationally in the U.S., it's something like sixty-six percent can't do math at grade level, and something like seventy-five percent can't read at grade. Or, or mm-hmm. those numbers are turned around, but it's, it's but they excel yeah. at checking their privileges, though. So. Like yeah. We're leading the world in that. Uh, I just don't see how anyone could possibly think any of this was a good idea to like start separate. First of all, it it should be illegal, and I'm surprised it's not. It, it should be, you know, it's against the uh, Civil Rights Act and Article and the Fourteenth Amendment. Um, but 
whatever it, it is. It, I found it was really funny when there were like legit white nationalists who had a, I think a footprint in the culture for a little bit there in the mid 2010s, um, like Richard Spencer. And he came out and said that he supports the Democrats because they're the ones who want to bring back segregation. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, you wonder, <laughs> like, Hey, I mean, uh, okay. They're getting it done, but uh, I think it was 2014 or 15, probably 15. Um, BLM had, was on 75 campuses across the U.S. BLM was asking for um, segregated dorms. And yeah. the KKK, the KKK, supported it. Yeah, let's segregated dorms. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, wasn't the K- the KKK and Malcolm X were like on the same page? Like, they they agreed. Like, they want a lot of the same stuff at one point. Malcolm X, towards the end of his life, changed his tune on that. Yeah. But they, for a time, they were like, no, we're on the same page about this. Like, you don't bother us. We don't bother you. Um, I mean, it's not that simple, but. Uh, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, that was a thing. I know at NYU, and sometimes you do have to check the articles on this because like at NYU, just because some dumb student union or something asks for something doesn't mean that the school's doing Like NYU did say like, no, we're not doing that. But yeah. it got reported as like, oh, there's going to be segregated dorm or all black dorms. Um or, so there was, you know, the, I, I don't know if you guys remember, this went viral, and, and it was actually true. I wrote an article about it, and there's actually yeah. a, a quick, funny little story about it. But there was um, a library in King County, which I think was in Washington State, yeah. Oregon, and they were having um, like staff meetings, and they were segregating them. And and so there, there was a, 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 a an image that went viral, and on, on one door it said, like a uh, staff or, 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 or faculty of color and then white faculty. So they were segregating these meetings. And I thought, oh, that, that's got to be fake or that has to be that has to have been from the 50s or something. You know, it was true. And then the actual the 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 the, uh, um, the school district actually released a statement saying we're sorry that we did this. You know, we didn't think it would lead to racial tensions. And so I wrote an article about it in Medium, just ripping it apart. And then uh, an SJW medium publication actually reached out to me and said, hey, can we can we include your article in our publication? And I was like, did you even like read below the the, the thing? Like, because I was accusing them of being racist, which they were. But um, the publication, they didn't they, they thought that when I was you know saying that they were racist, they thought like, oh, like he's 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 fighting against white supremacy. So yeah. so they actually included my article in like this, you know, well, LGBTQQLL, whatever thing. And then, and then so it was there for a couple of months. And then I just I got I made a, a like a couple hundred bucks from that one article. And then like a, a few months later, they actually emailed me saying, hey, um, we've removed your your, pub, your your article from our publication because it didn't fit the guidelines. So I was like, Did you, so somebody finally read below the, the, the headline. <laughs> it just shows that they just they just publish a title and then, yeah. and then make uh. assumptions. Yeah. <laughs> But no, there's a like the, the racism stuff, all that. But it, it, you know, again, like I said, it's you're teaching this to kids, you're forcing this down, you know, this down their throat. But it's not, it's not teaching them the skills, right? Like, they, like you get ready, but you know, yeah, this is a whole other conversation. Yeah. So, Like it just, you know, it frustrates me. It's like, yeah, no. and it's all, and it's purely selfish. I want my, when I'm an old fart, I want my doctors to know how to do medicine, not how to like separate patients by color. Right, right. Yeah, that's what uh, I remember listening to Bridget Phetasy. Um, she was pregnant 
and she's not anymore. She had her baby, but she was talking about how she's in a, um, I don't know. I don't even know what to call it, like a birthing class or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how all the nurses and everyone was like tripping over themselves to just not say the word woman. And, and it's like birthing persons or lactators or you know, whatever <laughs> it is. And, and it's like, it's like, and they're looking around. It's like, but it's one of those things where everyone in the room is on the same page that it's okay to say woman. Like there's no, there's no mm-hmm. issue. Like, but it's kind of like a big brother type thing. It's like, yeah. well, what if someone's recording? What if it goes like, and it's not even wrong, but it's just that fear. And I think that's where, if we're going back to um, comparing it to fundamentals, Christianity, Islam, Maoism, whatever it is, like, I do think this is where it turns into the most kind of the, the most, the, the biggest parallels between the crits, as I call it on the show or, and something else here is the, the like Soviet or Maoist or whatever, oh. like, cause the, the tattling for lack of a better term, um, reporting on each other, recording each other. And even if you're not doing it, like the fear that it could be done because you say the wrong thing, because you know, now there are unfortunately real consequences in the U S like kids. And I'd say that I use that term like legitimately kids who might've been rapping to a song four years earlier. That's the N word in it. And they're just singing the lyrics to like a white kid will lose her scholarship to a university yeah. because someone oh, yeah. and that happened here someone sat on this video this conniving little shit sat on this video <laughs> yeah. for four like between two and four years or something maybe even more than that and then when she announced where she was going to school he like sent it to the school i think it was university of tennessee and she lost her scholarship or even her enrollment or whatever it was and that yeah, is so a- maoist and sick to me yeah yeah yeah, but I mean, okay, but that's so that's just it. It's they're they're conditioning these kids to think like that. But it's, to report yeah, total. Yeah, but it's, it's also yeah. You said the total thought control. Like, yeah, you're careful of what you say. But I mean, it's okay. Sorry, where am I trying to go with this? So like, like, like you're talking about the thought control, but I don't. It's like you're shutting yourself up. And you're doing it willingly, like you're you're doing it peacefully. You don't even care about it. But it's after a while, it takes away the ability for people to even ask the questions because you don't know what's there anymore. So, like, okay, sorry, I'm going to come at this another way. Um, sure. Sorry about that. Uh, just, so, if you take a look at, uh, <clears throat> you were talking about the biology, right? so. Everyone knows that they're a woman. Everyone knows what a woman is. Everyone knows that men can't give birth. Right. Now, we're denying. Now, um, if you ever go back and watch a lot of Hitchin stuff, he talks about uh, a man for all seasons. Hmm. Or if you ever watch the hmm. Carlton Heston movie, it's quite cheesy, but hmm. whatever. Because <laughs> it's all right. Um, yeah. There's a part in it where Thomas Moore is talking to gets the prosecutor and he says, you know, like you cut down all the laws in England or you cut down the law to catch the devil. And the guy turns around and said, you know, cut down every law in England to catch the devil. And then Thomas Moore looks at him and says, well, and if the devil turns around to face you, where are you going to hide? Cut down all the laws. There's nothing to hide. So 
if like you have biology departments are afraid to say you know that only women can get pregnant so like that's an issue what happens when intelligent design comes back you have no defenses right you know, the, the the institutions that protected civil liberties have been taken over by this insanity yeah like, when the cdc in the united states says that when the vaccine came out that you should do it by race not by who's the most susceptible and they said well because most seniors are white and they've already lived a privileged life we should give the vaccines to like people of color I mean, that's insanity and every you know oh the next day they retracted it so i'll see everything's fine like, no it's not fine like what like there's something really rotten in the state of denmark if they came out and, you know like like something's going on at the cdc it's right, right. You've, you know, the ACLU is a shadow of what it was even four or five years mm. ago. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, you know, you've got things like the fire, which have gone just from education, just to say, you know, I think they're called the foundation for individual rights and expression now, instead of in education. So they, they're taking okay. on a more, um, uh, they're going to fill that void. Yeah. yeah. But it's still, you know, the ACLU had things in place where the fire was in place on universities. So they've got to now spread out to more. So it's how much can they cover? But it's, it's things like, like I said, you know, we've, so let's take uh, Texas for, uh, for a minute. The anti-CRT law in Texas was so rigid. They actually banned cynical theories, the book by James Lindsay and Helen Puckers mm. because wow. of the way the law was written out. If you want to fight, you know, woke nonsense, I think that's a book to have, but right. whatever, that's just me. So you have nothing left to fight these things. Like the the Stop Woke Act in Florida, um, I, like I just recently spoke with Greg Lukianoff and we were talking about that. Mm. And, you know, they were looking at it from the standpoint of universities, but when you take it into account K through 12, the fire didn't take that on because that wasn't and against the constitution that wasn't a first amendment violation um because of the way the k-12 was set up and he, he's even you know he talked about it. like some of the books that they had they wanted to have in schools at that age um because there is a thing of age appropriateness as well so like the book gender queer mm -hmm. you know which has like a couple of pictures of a young young boy giving an older boy a blowjob. Mm, uh, yep. Yeah, that's not age appropriate for you know kindergartners, <laughs> right? So like, right, right. So he's talking. We talked about how you know like, it's not book banning. You know, like, like that's the term they use. Yeah. So like, so you have to look at the the differences in it, and it just when you've stripped your own defenses away. Now when these things come up, and a lot of people who, you know we're saying oh we'll vote for biden it'll make it easier for the woke to be stopped blah 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 blah. now we're focusing on the overcorrections on the right you're still mm -hmm. not fixing your side and but you're like well this is going on it's like yeah but you let it happen because you let that stuff you know you, you screamed about the orange menace for four years you let this shit consolidate yeah. power and now it's yeah. running everywhere. do you think that it's i mean it feels like it's getting a little better, at least on the margins. There's 
more i mean if you if we start playing the hits here with like the areas black lives matter has lost all credibility they're a bunch of criminals right fraudsters and swindlers and hucksters um that's pretty well documented at this point uh there's seems to be more of a spotlight on detransitioners and um other countries at least have started to change their laws like like the uk and the netherlands have started to change their laws so this just like kind of carte blanche um uh letting like children transition and don't even need parental um parental support uh they, they've kind of changed their tune it seems like for the most part it's starting to get a little better where there's more space to at least discuss um and even when some people are canceled quote unquote canceled um th there's like it's more just well you can always protest like a dave Chappelle, but he is still like he did host the snl which is like one of the most mainstream things you can do yeah. as a comedian um and while there will always be people complaining that's that's fine um, it seems like some like Netflix did take somewhat of a stand. It was a little milk toast at first, but did take somewhat of a stand. Um, and it seems like the kind of issue du jour is uh, now anti-Semitism. And I think there's some legitimate gripes there. But also, uh, as, as you brought up before, um, when you said, well, if you call everything racist or transphobic, uh, well, that's actually why we have the Nazi jar which is whenever someone uh, makes a ridiculous comparison to Nazis or the Holocaust or Hitler, uh, we, we, uh, they have an IOU for the Nazi jar, which yeah. is, is to show when I explain this every time I bring it up is to show like how ridiculous that is like to compare everything because it does take away legitimate Nazis and, and the legitimate Holocaust that very much existed and was responsible for killing 6 million Jews and all that. So, um, you know, we try and fight back against that by when everyone says, you know, when the Republicans are going to take the House and you have people tweeting about or when when Elon Musk Musk buying Twitter and people are saying it seems like it's the end of like the Weimar Republic or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I don't know, maybe it's different in Canada. I, and I do want to hear the just like Canadian perspective, yeah. but it seems like there's it's starting to be a little better here. OK, so. I have a more negative view okay first of all things in canada are worse but actually you were talking about uh 2013-ish around there where like oh it was, it looked like it was getting worse um and that's when if you look at uh, some of the work that height and the pionoff did like especially height he was talking about how in mm -hmm. 2013 that's when it started getting off campus yeah it started seeing mm -hmm. but to take a look at the like i don't want to go back to the frankfurt school and all that but take, if you yeah, take yeah. a look at some of this timeline um in 89, you had a conference in New Jersey where critical race theory got named and defined. And you had people like uh, Kimberly Crenshaw, Delgado, mm -hmm. Stefan Chef. Um, list goes on. They came there and they they made up critical race theory. Damn, uh, New Jersey. I live in New Jersey. And at that point, Crenshaw. Uh, and Macintosh and a bunch of people, especially Crenshaw, were starting to write their papers on intersectionality. Now, around 91 is when, around like whatever, between 89 and 91 is when in the universities, certain fields, so like African-American studies, feminist studies came to gender studies. Mm -hmm. Like these kinds of things took on that intersectional framework 
And so why about the end of the 90s when you're starting getting, you know, so like, let's say between 98 and again, 2002, somewhere in that rough range, you started getting people with their first PhDs in these fields, but looking at everything through that lens. Uh, McWhorter actually said, we need to go back to a 1997 way, uh, way of thinking. And he kind of distinguishes it around that mark, but like that's his demarcation point. Um, but so you talked about Bush and the the first Iraq War there, uh, sorry, uh, like second Iraq, yeah, yeah, second Iraq War. Uh, you know, yeah, nine eleven happened, and then there's a lot of talk of Islamophobia. If you look at uh, this guy Zach Goldberg, if you look at the work he did, you can start seeing how terms like racist and racism and uh, white privilege and things like that. He also did a bit on Islam as well, like how Islamophobia, how those terms started going up in the like I think he took New York Times, Washington Post, Boston Herald, and LA Times, and he tracked them. Um, but he did a really good job on the media in general as well, like how these things exploded. So these people are coming out. You know, Bush is getting flack for Islamophobia. So he's like, okay, we're going to find someone. And this is just, you know, tinfoil hat theory if you want. But I'm just going to lay out a timeline. These people come out with these degrees. They go into... HR, they go into mm. you know public administration, they go into government, they go back into the academy into administration. They start, you know, they start moving up the ranks, they start hiring people who think the same way. And like more and more these people are coming in. Now, I'm not saying this is a conspiracy, I'm not saying it's but it's just human nature. Like you're gonna hire people that you think fit with the values you want to instill in your company, right? Or mm-hmm. in your organization or whatever. So it's there's a there's a paper written called the long march to the institutions and mm. that's what and again this is something that's i think it's just kind of being ingrained and no one's actually going and purposely thinking okay we're doing this long march and i was just like okay this is how we're progressing along and that's just kind of it um and by 2010 you had in half in around a dozen states, you had this stuff going into private schools, high schools. And then, so by about 2013, these people are going to universities. If you're getting universities or having, they're thinking like this, they're already seeing some of it there, but they're pushing it further. And the and by that point too, the university administrations have gotten bloated. There's all this DEI stuff. There's, mm-hmm. you know, all the gender stuff. And it's just a feedback loop. And just going back and forth and it's just building up on itself and they have nowhere else to go really except in these kind of jobs and so yeah that's that's what's running these things so um you said you want to talk about canada i mean we're we're off off um we're getting censorship laws coming up on the internet where the canadian government can decide what gets boosted and what doesn't so you know like the recommendations on youtube things like that they're if they say it's the push day content who decides uh, that uh this uh, our version of the fcc oh, okay so the CR, crtc oh. um, and they're so and... they're gonna like go th- so there's gonna be like agents just lo- watching youtube videos <laughs> I, I mean okay i mean i just took youtube as an example but i mean it's yeah. gonna be any internet content and mm-hmm. i mean they're also i don't know where we are with this bill because uh it got tabled for the last election and they were talking about some like 
So if I post something and you find it offensive, you complain yeah. about it. I can face up to six months house arrest and a seventy-five thousand dollar fine. Jesus Christ! What? Yeah, dude. I I don't. <laughs> that is so terrifying, and I don't get like. Are, are there going to be like Canadian refugees to America? Like, I don't, really... <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, man. But okay, but like the gender stuff. So we had a law passed where. Okay, so. You know what the thing that got jordan peterson famous was bill c-15 yeah. where yeah. you know you it was technically a, a human rights violation candidate if you misgender someone but now with this other law that's passed it's affirmation only so you know there are therapists who are saying well what if someone wants to detransition they can't even talk about that they have to talk about how that person's being transphobic and they have to affirm their new gender identity but if they're saying I want to go back to my old gender identity, you're not affirming that. You're just only affirming, you know, like you're not thinking there. It's it's really screwed up. So we're we're further along than any of it. I mean, we have for the last election. So his last term, we had the Ministry of Diversity, Inclusion, and Youth, oh, and now me in the face. Okay, and then okay, and. <laughs> The, the mandate of the of Minister of Diversity, Inclusion, and Youth was to make sure that all of government was follow, was following DEI procedures, whatever. So it was basically checking up on the government to make sure they were being anti-racist. But now that, that that got folded into the Ministry of, I believe, Immigration, and so like so it's Immigration and Diversity or something like that. Jeez. Anyways. So this stuff is popular in Canada? Well, like, like um, with the, like, with the population... <laughs> Like people support this stuff, or is this just like elites pushing things through? Because if I like, correct me if I'm wrong, Canada has there they have like three major political parties, but two of them are like liberal or very liberal, and then there's one conservative with like fringe parties, right? Okay, well, first of all, you know, this is why the term liberal conservative will have lost all. Yeah. Um, the, the Liberal Party of Canada is not you know Enlightenment value liberal. Not right, anymore. right. Okay. They're called liberal. The other party is the NDP party, which is socialist. Now, the Liberal right. Party of Canada is, you know, whatever. You're woke as all hell. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's Trudeau. That's, yeah, that's Trudeau. Yeah. Um, and like I said, the NDP, they're, I mean, there's there's very little that differentiates their platforms. The NDP are a little bit more socialist, like old school style, but they're still incredibly woke. Yeah. Um, right. Then you know the conservatives. Uh, they're the only party that's not pushing censorship laws. So, you know, that's if an election happens, that's who I'm going to give my vote to. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are some fringe parties. There's like Maxime Bernier's People's Party of Canada, but their their whole thing is anything Trudeau wants, we're opposed to. So it's I mean, it's. It's just a it's just a reactionary party. They don't like stand yeah, for. Sorry. Yeah, so there's there's no like there's no point for me for voting for them. Um, at least with the conservatives, there's you know there's things I don't like. And they were when they were last in power, they were it's notorious. Hmm. Uh, true to like one of the things they said they were going to do was they wanted to make sure that all science recommendations from the federal government had to go through Parliament hmm. and Stephen Harper. And it was like you know, that's not how science is done. And Trudeau kept that. And he's actually enforce that more and he's tightened it up it's just so there's 
you know, like I said, the conservatives have had that impulse, but at least this time around, they're not actively going for it. So if I was going to vote, I'd vote for the party that's not telling at least the ones that say they're not going to censor me, the ones that are openly telling me they're going to censor me. Like, why the hell am I going to vote? Yeah. Right. It's like they're, they're, they're the more survivable party. It's like, okay, at least, like, you know, we, we can get through a term with, with these guys in power. But it's like, we're, you know, when you have like the super woke party, it's like, yeah, it's just chipping away at all the civil, civil liberties. Yeah, man. I, I'm like, I'm, I've, after COVID, I've very, very, very much changed what I consider like the free world. Like Australia to me, it's not a free country. Yeah. Like, what they did to their people, like, that's not freedom. Like, and like Canada's saying they're going to put, like, you could, serve jail time or house arrest for what you say on the internet like that's not that's not free so when when elon musk when he fired all those people from twitter did they all like you know flood the the canadian government because like that sounds like yeah. i know i you know I, I don't see that all that happening but yeah it's no but they're again it's the it's it's that timeline of how this stuff all came through so the people who were going into these positions think like this for the most part and it's on the right as well okay mm. like charlie kirk is an idiot yeah and yeah. he's as extreme in certain ways as the woke are yeah yeah in in their in the, but okay I, I think he went to like some christian university if he went to university hall but yeah. you have people on the right coming out of the same school they're not imbibing the woke nonsense, but they're imbibing that way of that thought pattern. Yeah. Their focus is going to be on something else, but that fundamentalist thought pattern is going to, especially like if, if you go through it over and over and over again, it's like, you know, not all Islamic madrasas turn out people who join ISIS, but the vast majority of them will at least agree with the fundamental fundamental beliefs of isis they might say well isis is going too far they're yeah. not, you know but, but they are they agree with charlie hebdo being strong they agree with you know the homosexuals being killed or at least in prison um, right you know they agree mm -hmm. with death for blasphemy so they're it's it's things like that yeah, that's and and I I think you and I uh, interacted a little bit about this on Twitter not too long ago, where where you know I, I said something about how, you know, as, as critical as I am of of the woke left, I'm still keeping a firm eye on 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 you know like the religious fundamentalist right. Um, I, I'm definitely seeing some some extremist parts, uh, uh, kind of you know openly admitting that you know uh, you know they're that they're trying to take power, and it's like you know we want to replace wokeness with with christianity it's like well you know i'm yeah still it's like, no dude that's not what we want either like, <laughs> yeah but it's but again it's okay so he's not on twitter anymore and you know chances sam harris listening to this but i use sam as an example you know after trump got elected sam said that you know it was the excess of the left that partially had let Trump take Now, instead of making your side more elected and fixing that, you just, mm. like I said, you let this stuff get consolidated. Yeah. And it's, and you're doing the same thing now. So it's like, it, it, 
what's coming from the right, yes, I see it happening. I see it coming in. It's not that I agree with it. It's not that I don't want to push back against it. But it's, yeah. I can't, you know, if I want to push back against it, if intelligent design comes around, if I want to push back against that, I don't have anything on quote unquote my side that will defend that. Like if you can't define what a woman is, if you can't get basic biology right, how are you going to defend against design? Um, you know, like Dawkins did her like when after the the Dobbs decision, I think it was the Dobbs, right? The one that overturned uh, Roe v. Wade. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. So Dawkins wrote a really good paper about abortion. He was being you know, used using a scientific argument. But again, when you can't define what a woman is and you give up biology, you're left with feeling arguments now yes. for something like abortion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like again, like it's it's these overcorrections are happening and they're gonna keep happening. And you've like this is where I get upset when I, when I brought up Stan Harris. I, I get upset and I get pissed off at these people. I mean, like, I, you know, I, I respect Sam Harris quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I think he's wrong about Twitter and all that, like the free yeah, speech yeah. aspect of it. But, mm-hmm. um, like, they, they didn't go after what was the real issue. Like, they didn't fix their side. They just right. let it grow. And now they're fixating on the overcorrections, but it's like, well, you've got nothing left. Like Barry Weiss did this awesome speech at the University of Austin. And all these people said, oh, it's going to be easy to fight back against the woke when Biden gets elected. It's just because Trump was so bad. They got so vitriol. Right. right. That's why they're so loud. But she did this talk and she said, well, we have to start building new institutions. It's like, okay, you know, you were saying, and I'm not saying people should have voted for Trump. Like, sure. I think the best thing you could have done in the last year's election was vote down ticket. I think that's right. the best thing you could have done that's with, what I uh, with, with, with Hillary as well, right? Like, I just, um, neither of those two people was worthy of my vote. So mm-hmm. whatever. Right, that's right. what I would have done if I was there. But they, they aren't even going and trying to fix, I think they didn't realize how bad it was. So when Barry Weiss says, oh, we need to, Start building new institutions, and you have Sam Harris when he was on trigonometry talking about, oh, in five years you'll be laughing about the woke; it won't even be around. If it's taken over all these institutions, it's going to take a huge shift for that to change. It's not something like it's not going away in five years. It might be completely buried and hidden, and it might be, you know, con- like not again. Don't want to sound conspiratorial, but it's become the way we look at everything and it's become how you know it's become the modus operandi for like all these institutions and how all these policies are coming out and it's that's what it you know so it's just there right um but it's not talked about as much so i i'm I'm glad you brought that up because i actually do at first when 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 university of austin first became a thing i was kind of like uh, this is kind of dumb. Like, why don't we fix University of Texas at Austin instead? Like, but then I, I, I think I agree more with Barry's point of like making new institutions that are overtly 
like enlightenment principles, open debate, you know, freedom of thought, all that stuff. Like I do think those should exist while also trying to fix institutions we already have if possible. But I want to get back to this point of um, when we were talking about like um, kind of like Marxism and, and Maoism and whatever, and like reporting on people and, and how there's been this capture in the HR departments and the administrations of these schools and this bloat. Like I always ask myself when I see some institution cave or some corporation like just like like a corporation tweeting about like kyle rittenhouse or something i remember i'm a i'm a fan of the new new jersey devils right that's my hockey team and like i'm on twitter i feel like i'm in the fucking bizarro world it's like you have the new jersey devils twitter account tweeting about kyle rittenhouse a shooting that occurred across the country I'm like what is happening and i always want to ask myself like why like what are we afraid of like if, if the school doesn't give into this thing if the corporation doesn't tweet this or put up this banner or social justice banner or whatever it is like what what are the repercussions because like i always think if i was the dean of a school or the president or if i was the ceo of a corporation and something happened it'd just be like okay but that's not our job like like I, I make widgets. I don't tweet about Kyle Rittenhouse. Like that's not what we do. Or like we're the university of such and such. Um, I hear you. Like students are protesting. Okay, our values are this. You have the right to protest, and that's it. And they'll fizzle out and go home. Like why is it always caving? And I, 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 it's like I feel like there's some omnipotent force that I'm missing. Like some. I don't want to start talking about the deep state or whatever like that because I don't believe that's the case here. But right. like, what am I missing? What if you just say no? Is what I'm getting. Just, I'm going to do Nancy Reagan. Just say no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. You can look at that, but okay. Again, the academies. You lost the academy. There, there's the amount of people like there's okay. There's, there's not a lot of people who are you know going to push this agenda. But there's a lot of people who won't say anything because they know that these people are so loud that yeah. they'll drown everything else out and they're going to lose their careers. I mean, if you look at, like, the, the again, the fire, if you look at the reports on universities, like, you know, ten, tenured professors that have been fired. So, you know, tenure is supposed to protect you from that. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's that. Um but but, but okay let's take that example like a tenured professor gets fired for what like can you think of something that happened or what, like uh, ba bad tweets <laughs> yeah but like what kind of bad tweets so, like what kind of tweets bad um i don't know if this uh, guy was tenured but there was this guy and he was giving like a linguistics le lecture i think the chinese then, one yeah the, 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 it sounded yeah, like he an word he didn't get he didn't get fired he didn't get fired suspended, suspended but, but no I don't know. I don't think anything like that happened. I think okay. the the complaint went in and got thrown out. Good, but, perfect good. example. Like yeah. like like. So just someone like some student had a complaint. Like that's where it came from. A student or, or a bunch of students. They, I mean, even the investigation alone can ruin people. But fine. Like you can't just say you're full of it. Like what I understand if you do the investigation, but then that should be the end of it. It's like okay, we see that you thought this. This is what happened. This was the intent. This is what happened move on yeah but okay but here's the thing like yes that was a good result but if you take a look at overall what happened um so there was that guy o'neill he worked for the new york times he took a bunch of 
He was yeah. a science reporter for the New York Times. He took a bunch of interns down to South America somewhere. A fantastic reporter to Peru. Yeah, and there, yeah. Yeah, and there, there was a complaint came out, and he actually said, like, and whatever, I'm going to say the word. I, I can't talk about the word and not say it. So he yeah. said, did, did this person say nigger? Yeah. And because of that, he lost his job. Yeah. Now, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, so this this goes on. More of that happens than the other. Okay, you know, uh, you had like something recently with Oberlin where the the bakery. Oh my god, that is a crazy, crazy story. Which is sick. Like that that was a great episode of Barry. uh, Sorry, Barry Weiss's podcast. Everyone should listen to. I'm gonna plug it. (laughs) So yeah, so I mean, like, you know, so you do have these victories, but it's. Well, that's Again, not was, really a victory. The family okay, well, got ruined. The, the, yes, the family got ruined, but like I said, it's they they won. They won in court. They, they won in court. They got something. I, I don't know if they're gonna get anything. But yeah, it's it's not it's not real victory, but it's it's there's some sort of vindication there. But it's I mean it's like yeah the the investigation you mentioned the you know the the trial itself is the punishment, but it's it's like this. Mm-hmm. Okay, when the original PC stuff happened. And it went away. Everyone's like, "Oh, see, no one took it seriously." But it went back into universities, and they didn't. Okay, again, like when the CDC thing happened. Oh well, see, it's fixed. You didn't look at what was going on. Now you've got medical schools making, you know, students take diversity oaths and professors take diversity. So like something is happening. You're not paying attention to it. I mean, there was okay. There was a professor in 2014. 2015 Melissa Click. She was a journalism and media professor at uh, I think it was University of Missouri or Missouri State. I can't remember which one. Mm. Whichever one Mizzou is. Right? Missouri, um, yeah. Uh, so she she was at a protest at the university. There was a student newspaper, a student reporter from the university reporting on the protest. She didn't like his angle, so you could hear her on camera. And again, like I said, she's a professor of journalism and media. Yelling on camera, can we get some muscle here to get this done? Yeah, I remember that. Okay. Now she got fired. Yeah, you can talk about her firing or whatever. Like, is she fit to teach that that stuff? I don't think so, but whatever. Like, I don't want to argue that. But it was again, the reaction was see, it's fixed. No, your reaction should be like, what the hell is going on in the journalism department? Yeah. And is it going on in other universities? Like it's 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 this capitulation where they don't want to go that one step further. You know, oh, so when I see, you know, New York Times recently wrote a really decent article on puberty blockers, and I was surprised it was in the Times, and but they did a good job. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, oh, see, that's showing that uh, the New York Times is turning around. That's one article. Yeah. You know, like, it's, you're, you're just giving up. You're like, you're, oh, see, we're winning now. It's not that bad. I, I, I don't get it. I think so. Uh, what I'm trying to say is like, I, I just don't understand so many times when I, I just, I don't, I don't see why like just saying no to someone or no to the pro, like whether it's a Netflix special or a professor saying something that some st- students find offensive. Um, why those in pa- like really, while it's a definitely a minority, at least in the U.S., of people who have these views, which is ironic because this, these are the same people who are like, we must defend democracy. It's like, all right, let's leave this shit up to a vote and see who wins. It will not be you. 
Um, but they're <laughs> but they're in these positions like HR departments and and faculties and whatever. And and I think like I don't actually believe for one second. And I'm I'm very left wing on some things, especially when it comes to like corporate power. Like I don't believe for a fucking second that these corporations are like legitimately woke. Like I, I think they want to oh. make a profit and. It's these people in power who could just say, and because it's profitable for some of them to do that. I think there's some of a backlash against that too. But I think if some of these people in power, which is the same thing, it's a, it's a small, small minority that run CEOs and universities, that run corporations and universities or whatever it is to just say like, no, like, like, no, it, it, do your job. Like we're here to do this or we're yeah. here to sell this or teach this. Like, no, we're, uh, we hear you, but that's, we're, we're not going to do that. Okay, but there's all there might be some legality to this because like so you you're you know CEO of Coca-Cola and mm. they come out with uh, YB White right? that campaign they just had recently. Mm. Um, so when they start bringing in these DEI people, they start the first thing they do is look internally and see how it's correct, see how because if the organization hasn't fought its own racism thing, how can it tell the org? That's the first thing. And so then it comes out, you make people sign all these things, which I don't know, again, how binding are they so that you sign them? And if you try to like fire people now because of this, it's like, okay, are you firing them because of racism? It's just, you said you're going to be anti-racist. You said you're going to do all these. These are the company policies. How are you breaking them? It, the company might just go along and not get rid of these people because it's easier than fighting a bunch of trials. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm just, like, I'm taking I just, but, but let's start, but let's start even back up and just say, well, they bring in all the DEI sign. Like just stop there. Why yeah. do that? Who's making Coca-Cola bring in DEI coordinators? Well, you know, it's, uh, this is only from my own experience in, in Silicon Valley, but you know, uh, a lot of CEOs tend to be libertarian and, and understandably sort of like, I just want to run my business and not have to worry about, you know, yeah. red tape and stuff. Um, but there is, there, there, there tends to be a, a lot of uh, pressure from, you know, because you know, Silicon Valley, it, it, there are a lot of millennials, you know, so it's, it's people right out of college. And so, and so it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I got a degree in engineering. So, so, so right off the bat, like they're, you know, they might be very intelligent in terms of, you know, coding and, and, and things like that. But, you know, they've also been infused with a lot of the social justice ideology. So it's like, Hey, so, um, you know, can, can, you know, we notice that there are a lot of men here. You know, I think we have kind of a diversity problem. So maybe we should hire some, you know, to kind of you know, do away with, you know, they, we, we, so maybe we start doing implicit bias tests here. It's like, okay, that seems fair, I guess. And, you know, like, like I brought this up before, it's sort of like an um, uh, 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 ideological entrapment where a lot of the stuff is presented in a way where it's like, hey, you know, you know th this initiative, it's designed to make sure that we have a, a safe work environment where everyone feels comfortable and let's make sure we don't have any discriminatory policies. So like on the surface, it sounds good. So it's like, yeah. okay, let's invest in this. Yeah. Um, but then they start creeping in you know, uh, privilege and implicit bias and all this ideo ideological crap. And then several years in, you're, you're like, shit, we spent $10 million on this diversity initiative and it hasn't even changed our numbers even. Like, yeah. I don't know if you guys remember when Google released their numbers, like how much money they, they spent and like how barely changed their the, the diversity yeah. numbers. Because in the end, in the end, the universities want, they want the most superficial diversity. Yeah. They don't yeah. want poor, they, they want like wealthy black Nigerians 
whose parents are doctors, they don't want black kids from Baltimore because they, they, but, but so it looks diverse. They want, you know, very rich Taiwanese kids. Well, maybe not anymore, but, um, (laughs) but, but who are going to then donate and go get six figure jobs to then donate to the school. I mean, some of these schools have endowments that are as large as some small, some small countries. So, so Joe, in your experience, like, when you have let's say these engineers coming to work in silicon valley they're coming there for good pay and a great work-life balance like that, that's where like it was this was invented like the ping pong tables in the yeah. office and the yeah. beer taps right i've worked in a we work uh for a summer in new york city yeah. like yeah. you can have, you can get beer and like do you really think that if the ceo said well, okay, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll take that upon my, this libertarian CEO says, maybe I'll take it upon myself to like try and hire more women, but I need people who are going to be the best for the job. And right. that's it. I'm not going to start doing all of these DEI things, but I, like, I hear you. Like, do you really think these workers would say, well, then we're not working from you. If we don't get an initiative, we're going to go somewhere else. Like, are, are, do they have that much power? Cause I'm all for worker power, but I just don't see how that, like uh-huh. they would really like to me, it seems like that's an extra for a lot of them. But if the yeah. CEO is like, no, like, well, you know, you okay, you can go. Yeah. You have a great work-life balance and pay here. But yeah. I think there's a little difference there too. There's something. So it's so the HR people. So in these large corporations, are getting HR people. Okay, and like you know, Coca-Cola can work to say, okay, we want Harvard graduates or we want Yale graduates or like the Ivy League, the, the, the Pac-10. These schools were the first ones to go super. And so these HR people think like that. So if the director of HR or the vice president of HR for Coca-Cola comes with the CEO and says, here's our diversity initiative, right? The guy's going to look at it. It's going to have some nice sounding words in it. He's not going to go into the weeds of it. And it's going to sound nice and he's going to accept it. It's uh, so in his book, Kindly Inquisitors, Jonathan Rauch talks about humanitarian threat to liberal science. Mm. And that's what this is. It's like, don't you want to be anti-racist? Don't you want to fight homophobia? Don't you yeah. want to fight transphobia? Don't you want to fight misogyny? He said they make it sound good. It sounds great on the surface. Yeah. And they don't go into the underlying philosophy. Yeah. So yeah. that's what happens in a lot of places. That's why, you know, Trudeau gets, keeps getting elected. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just stupidity. It's like, yeah, I saw a lot of that in, in Silicon Valley where it's like, hey, look, you know, Business Insider published uh, a study on how um, or they, they, they published an article on a study about how uh, diverse workforces are more productive. And it's like, yeah, we should do that. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Having more skin colors in the office leads to more productivity. Like, <laughs> And of course, nobody's going to look at the study itself and go, like, oh, you know, the, the, the methodology was wrong. Um you know, is, is there obviously some bias that they like no, nobody in, in, in a startup is going to do that. They're just going to say, hey, look, you know, Business Insider or, or Wired Magazine mm-hmm. said that diversity is good. Let's do let's be more diverse. But I mean, if you actually take a look at the studies that are so there's a, a guy, Lee Jessen, um, yep. he's a psych, psych professor at Rutgers. Yep. He's done a lot of work on implicit bias testing. And there's a guy, uh, Musa algorithm or something like that yeah yeah and he he did a lot of stuff on uh, diversity trainings and he like there was a, a a study published of 30 years of diversity trainings over across 800 organizations and at best it did nothing yeah mm-hmm. it, on average it made work environment tenser at worst it made people more racist yeah <laughs> you know yeah. so but like when you show that again, they're going to say, "Well, this is based on white ways of knowing." So 
it's the methodology in itself is racist so these results are racist yeah or sexist or misogynistic well that's that's where i think the discourse has become so devolved where um you were talking about this before uh obed but um like we can't even agree on words anymore that i thought we'd establish a lot of it's like racism right like i thought we'd establish that with like martin luther king like what is race <laughs> treating someone differently but you know judging someone by the color of the skin not the content of their character like the, that's not the case anymore and and i think the oldest form of this is the abortion debate in the us and i always say why it's not even worth it for most people again the debate is because when you have one side calling it a clump of cells and another side calling it a like a human life and that's where you're starting from you're not going to you're not going to come to an agreement this is not going to happen Right, and right. that it looks like the abortion debate has really kind of the the, the thinking the abor- abortion debate has really taken over most other most other like areas of discourse where it's like we don't know what even white means anymore because now you can be like politically white or politically black like yeah. you used to know what black means you yeah. you know now now Asians are are white adjacent you have yeah. these terms yeah. or like what is racism what's a woman what is like these things so like we've actually devolved it's gotten so much worse because we can't even get like that's why a lot of times you hear debates start with like let's define terms and even yeah, you can't yeah. do that yeah okay so I'll show you how bad it's gotten with this white like the white adjacency and politically black almost like bs right um and there's a bunch of books called acting white uh, read some of them one of them is actually really good it's because even though the title acting white but it's actually a really good book it comes from mm. I remember who wrote it, but most of the other ones are just woke nonsense. But so, um, if you were paying attention, you saw the signs of this a while ago. So starting about 2018 or 19. In 2020, when the BLM riots started happening, and there was a bunch of synagogues vandalized in LA, Nicole Hannah Jones said, "Well, property is white." whiteness is capitalism that's you know just white privilege yeah yeah. um so you had the whole thing about jews taking on whiteness and jews being white jason when the book in defense of looting came out um in it uh the author she says she talks about the riots in the 60s like i think the the watts riots and then she talks about the korean riots uh, after the rocky king thing Um, yeah 90 yeah 93 yeah and and then she said well just like how jews were the face of capitalism in the 60s the koreans were the face of capitalism in the 90s and so she's saying that they were white they're white adjacent i mean you had the canadian government okay like i talked about our ministry of diversity whatever which is now rolled in with immigration okay our immigration department the the definition of white privilege is it doesn't matter about the color of the skin if you are thinking along these, uh, thinking along and upholding these white supremacist ideas, you have white privilege. <laughs> okay, that's our, that's the Canadian fucking government. Okay. So any so any it, any person can be guilty of of white privilege, like yeah yeah black so, I mean, Asian. <laughs> can so, you be white and not be considered white if you don't think like that? <laughs> no, no <laughs> it doesn't go both ways. It Damn. doesn't go both ways. But you had, but uh, Trudeau's government paid this guy Maroof. Six hundred thousand dollars over six years, but the most recent one—the most recent one was—he's a Canadian citizen living in Lebanon who was going to be giving online anti-racism training to the CBC, uh, so the Canadian Public Broadcaster. Right? Um, and this guy 
was tweeting out about white supremacist Jews and how Hitler was great, this and that. And his defense was, look, I wasn't talking about regular Jews. I was talking about white supremacist Jews. And you talk about Jews being white adjacent and having white privilege. And this is the ideology that our government's taken up. And they're allowing this guy to teach anti-racism. Like anti-Semitism coming from the woke is being overlooked. I mean, they're still talking. Okay, so Kanye West. Yeah, yeah. Whatever he said. So you, and you know, the whole trope about Jews controlling the media, this and that, I mean, that like there is, you can go back and show like the anti-Semitic principle. But you had people like Mark Lamont Hill getting praised for calling out Kanye West. When Mark Lamont Hill like chants out from the river to the sea. Okay. Yeah. Mark Lamont Hill supports like actual terrorists. Now yeah. there, there's plenty of things you can argue about Israel and what they're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, like I'm, I'm not trying to say that they're here is a driven snow or whatever, but mm-hmm. the shit that comes out of Mark Lamont Hill's mouth or, you know, Rashida, Rashida Tlaib, Ilan Omar, like, you know, mm-hmm. Arya Presley, like, I mean, nothing gets said about that. You always talk about the right-wing anti-Semitism. Like, it's like, no. I mean, Stalin was anti-Semitic. The Soviet Union had a lot of anti-Semitism. Yeah, that, I, I, bring, I bring that one up all the time, too. How, like, I'm not saying that I would want to see swastikas, but it is yeah. ironic to me that you can go on Twitter, and I follow some accounts that have a hammer and sickle, like in their, yeah. Oh, yeah. In their and and the the Soviets had their own pogroms, and and they had they killed lots of Jews. I don't, I'm not keeping track, but like they weren't like friends of the Jews either, and they had a history of killing all types of different people who would be protected classes in, uh, in le- like legitimate protected classes in Amer- in the U.S. And like, especially protected from the the crits. So I, I do find that very ironic that um, there's this. Well, well, it's very hypocritical. But again, I'm not saying I want to start seeing swastikas. I also don't think yeah. it should be. Honestly, I don't think it should be illegal to have it. If you want to be an idiot and wear one, which used to be a thing, like all punk bands used to do it because they were just contrarian. And yeah. I watched this crazy movie recently from the early 2000s where. Um, uh, Ryan Gosling plays actually a Jew who becomes a neo-Nazi and he's walking around New York City in a big swastika t-shirt. I don't know if that ever actually happened and I would, could not see that happening today, but I do think you should be allowed to do it and, you know, and, and not be arrested for it, which I don't think, like, I don't know if that would be possible today. Like you shouldn't be arrested for it, but I, I would think that you would like, like basically you would be definitely open to, physical attack like i don't think anyone would really come to your defense yeah no no <laughs> and i mean but you know there is that too like the whole punch of nazi thing yeah I, I think that sums it up yeah punch nazi thing it's like no like just protest them call them yeah. like 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 i don't know they're they're idiots like their speech will always like when people anyone with who can like like form a sentence will listen to what these idiots have to say and be like no they're not a threat they're dumbasses like they're, they're they're upset about things and they actually don't make any sense and let that happen when you shut them down you give them more power yeah it's just you know the strike sign effect or whatever but like it's it's yeah. not just that it's you're making them sympathetic 
So when Rick, mm-hmm. like that whole, you know, Richard, like that video, Richard Spencer getting punched, which as satisfying as I thought that was, mm-hmm. yeah. but that does actually make him more sympathetic. The guy on, got on CNN because of that, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, like, so, like, you know, if your whole point is to shut them up. It was the same thing with them. Um, I forget who it was. There were some, this was, I think the eighties, maybe the nineties, uh, part of kind of the, that Reagan revolution. There were some woman. She was a not a I don't think she was a politician, but she was a big part of kind of like the religious right movement, really kind of basic shit. But she would kind of troll be like, I asked my husband if I could be here today, kind of saying like she's real conservative and old school and all that. And I remember and this was in a documentary I was watching about I think it was a CNN documentary about whatever decade this was. And a guy like pies her in the face at a panel and like you feel horrible for her. Yeah, yeah, like it totally backfired. It's like that guy looks like such an asshole, and you feel so bad for this woman. And she just kind of sits there and like wipes it from her face and maybe starts crying. And you're like, oh my god, like this is the side. Like I disagree with 80 90 of what she's saying, but this is now the side that's against her. Like I don't want to side with them. Who's that guitarist from um, Rage Against the Machine? Um, which what, Tom Morello? Yeah, Tom Morello. Yeah. yeah, he was on Bill Maher a few years ago, and he was and and so this was during the Trump administration. Um, but they were talking about punching Nazis, and Tom Morello was like, "Well, you know, I I, I think so that, that like his grandfather fought in World War II, and he's yeah, so you know he 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 killed Nazis, and so I'm just saying, you know, if someone goes around spreading hate, like you know, I, I have no problems punching them. It's like, yeah, I mean, besides, you know, the the, lot, the the lack of logic pointed out there, but also just the idea that, you know, the the, the term Nazi has been expanded so much. So it's like, just like we were saying, like, yeah. what's a Nazi now? Nazi used yeah. to be a guy who belonged to the Nazi party in 1930s Germany. Right. Now it's anyone to the right of like Tulsi Gabbard. Right, right. Yeah. Anyone who voted for Trump is, is automatically, you know, supporting. Not even. You could you could be like a center left Democrat or even right, right. like a far you could be like a far left socialist. Yeah. That was Nazi did stand for socialism. Yeah. And yeah. and if you don't agree with all the progressive woke shit, like, to be honest, yeah. that's kind of more of my politics. Hmm. Then you could be called a Nazi. A lot of Bernie bros were called Nazis because they were like a lot of the dirtbag left, which yeah. I'm much more sympathetic to. Like, like we're called white supremacists and stuff they literally called it white socialism because yep. it didn't have all this crit logic in it where it's like well, no we just want highways and streets and welfare and and, and health care and shit like that like we don't care about pronouns and, yeah, yeah. and and these other ridiculous things that don't actually help people but if you actually look at some of the earlier critiques of what they did like you know crt or the other theories was coming from old school Marxist left because they're like, this is not Marxism. This is not communism. Yeah. Not that I agree with Marxism or communism either, but like that's where that's where they were coming from. It's just yeah. so if you go back and look at those critiques, it's so that's why like I will go as far as saying like you know like cultural Marxism in the sense that you know the long march to the institutions they didn't want to own the means of production. They wanted to own the means of production of culture. Yeah. That's how they wanted to change. That's what they wanted to use to change the way people viewed society. They wanted to go through the media, they wanted to go through the arts, they wanted to go through you know, yeah. education. So, yeah. like, so in Which that kind of aspect, worked. <laughs> like, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and who was it? Was it Bright, Andrew, was Andrew Breitbart, who would say, like, politics is, is it always, like, culture is always, Downstream, of, downstream politics, or I have it backwards. Uh, 
And I think conservatives gave up besides abortion, which really came out of the seven. Like a lot of abortion really wasn't a big issue in America, especially with evangelicals up until like the Senate. It was like a kind of a Catholic thing. And then it really wasn't a big of a deal until it there were some documentaries that came out. And that was a big cultural thing for a part of the right. But for the most part, the right really just seeded the culture war for for a very long time to the left and just said, well, we'll have trade policy and economics and taxes and you know, we'll, we'll control a lot of elite institutions. And I think it really backfired. And now you start seeing some right-wing cultural, like, you know, you have Ben Shapiro's movie company and you have some people fighting back. And I do think there needs to be more of a balance. Not that I agree with them either on most of the thing, on most of the things, but I do think we need much more of a balance in culture because it's been way too one-sided. Yeah. yeah it's, Again, this, this is a generational thing. You're not going to get that shift happening so quickly because you're being inundated from this at all sides and it's starting younger and younger and younger. And I mean, I know, like, I, I, I avoid the whole groomer thing. Um, I just say indoctrination, just a lot cleaner, and avoids yeah. everything else. Um, yeah. And so you're indoctrinating these kids. Like, when Disney starts doing. You know, everyone's like, oh, what's the big deal with showing a, a, a little family movie on Disney with two mothers? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. But when they start basing stuff on gender theory and, you know, or talking about little kids transitioning, I'm like, sorry, no. Kids should not be talking about little kids transitioning. Yeah. I mean, is that happening? Yeah, there, there, there's stuff on Disney's. Like if you go on the Disney channels or some other animation, it yeah. might not be like five or six year old kids, but it'll be like, you know, teens and, yeah, you know, preteens and around there. Like it just, and it's, or they, you know, they'll use like fish. It's really, like yeah, it's really, I went on a whole, I'm not going to go on. I went on a whole rant last episode about just keeping children out of it. I think a lot of people, a lot of Americans would really be on the same page with, a, or, or, or like, enough of the same page if children weren't involved and if yeah. like that goes for like locker rooms and teaching race racial things in school and and trans like if you want to be an adult in transit like you're not even i mean you could make this argument for a lot of different things like our laws like you can go fight and die in a war at 18 but like you're not even fully developed at that age right right like and you want to change okay then should you be able to go to prison well i think that's a good argument right like things like that but like transitioning as a child like you're you i wanted to be a velociraptor when i was a child like i didn't i didn't know any of these things mm. and to and to make these permanent changes to your body which now that is being accepted like no these are permanent changes they're not they're not reversible it's really it's it's criminal it's one of the grossest things i i, I say like this is way beyond yeah. even like participating in sports and stuff like that like this is yeah. this is we're doing such a disservice to an entire generation no but yeah but that's just it it's just so they're they're people are being inundated so the kids are seeing this and it's just i mean again i you know like i said the free expression it's like you know, that's so I, I try to be a little bit careful on certain things so Yes, you know, we're talking about, I talk about like Keith folks not really book banning, and it's, you know, they've been making these adjustments to the curriculum, like, but how is it being brought about? So, um, it, I think it was all in the same year. There was a Catholic school board in Tennessee. There were some schools in 
Poland. And then because of JK Rowling being transphobic, apparently there was the woke and there were all these calls to like, you know, burn her books. Now, yes, that, that's a book bank. I think forcing public libraries to remove books is crossing over a line, but asking yeah. a school library, like, you know, especially, like I said, elementary school, having the book gender queer, I don't think that's proper or age appropriate. And, like, you know, I want to speak with Greg Leon, he said the same thing. He, said, he didn't think any judge would rule that as unconstitutional for that book to be in, you know, like, mm-hmm. K through six, which I think is fair. Uh, and so it's, it's, you got to look at what you're trying to do in these things. Is it, are you banning the books? How are you doing it? Like, and I mean, I, I, I work in IT. And I, I'll go as far as I don't think until you're at least 16 that you should have a smartphone. I think that should be, mm. yeah. Uh, yeah, or, or, or highly, highly restricted. Like, you know, put on a lot of parental blocks. Like it goes, it comes straight from the phone company and the parent has to deactivate the blocks when, when they want, you know, for their child or whatever. So at least you can use it for school for certain things, but you can't get like social media. You can't get, you know, I feel so bad. I feel so bad on it. Like I think about what we used to do and say when we were like 14, mm-hmm. like the things we used to joke about and say and do. And like, if those were recorded, yeah. like if someone just had a phone, like we had phones, but they were like flip phones. We're talking like 2004, 2005, 2006. Yeah. Like there, I mean, we would all be, we would all be like pillar, pilloried. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it's, it's crazy. And we were just kids yeah. and yeah. all kids were doing that. All groups of kids were doing that. Rich white kids, poor white kids, poor black kids, rich, but like everyone was doing the same, having the same conversations, cracking the same jokes, reciting the same stand up comedy bits. Like yeah. we were all doing that stuff. And I like kids don't have that freedom anymore. Cause someone could always just be sitting there with a the phone down by their waist recording. No, and no. I really like I no, I honestly feel bad for them because I feel like you can't be yourself. No. Yeah, I mean, okay, like myself, you know, I grew up in you know the 70s and the 80s. So yeah, yeah. Did, didn't even have flip phones for crazy. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, so yeah, we're a lot freer for saying yeah. Well, should we uh start to wrap this yeah, up? We're an hour and a half. Is, is I mean we could definitely I feel like we could definitely do another episode sometime if you want to come back on. Yeah, yeah, sure. we'd love to have you back on, man. Uh, maybe yeah. come back in a couple of months and we, we can uh, kind of do another check in, see what's going on in the culture. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm concerned about Canada. I, I think next time we can get more into that. I, I yeah. don't know. It seems like you guys are not going the right direction. Like, so I, I don't know. I I, 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 I follow. Uh, it's okay. Look, now there was just a recent poll put out after like the Emergencies Act uh, inquiry. Now, here's the thing again, it's the majority of people in Canada are not like they're still thinking you can trust the CBC and CTV. And it doesn't mean that I think you can trust Rebel News or all the others. Like, I don't trust mm-hmm. any of these. No, no. I trust individual people and I'll look at mm-hmm. each story on its own merits. That's, that's the only way you can be right. Um, but so the there was a so our, our our version of our spy agency. So it's kind of like a, a cross between the FBI and the CIA. Um, <clears throat> CSIS, they said that you know, 
there was no foreign involvement, blah, 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 blah. And they put out this report where they said, you know, we had, we started investigating because we had credible threats or credible uh, evidence of foreign involvement in the conflict. Now, the CBC publishes the article and they put that part of the report. Now, most people are going to either read the headline or the first couple of paragraphs and they're going to read that quote from the report. They're not going to read the report, but it goes on to say that it was mostly disorganized. There was no real foreign yeah. involvement. When you look at like the amount of money, it was like 80% of the money or 88% of the money, something, something like that came from Canadians. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it was just all this stuff, like everything was getting debunked, but they're not either they're hiding the corrections or they're not printing them. So people don't like they're not getting the full story, and it's you know, they're not online as much they're not going and again they're not going to primary sources they still think they can trust the cbc they still think they can trust the tv right. um, and uh yeah douglas murray does this brilliant takedown of the canadian media like there was the debate that he just the had, monk debate and, yeah yeah that yeah, was killer just, man uh, yeah, oh, yeah he did. But, but yeah so like they don't know that so i mean the poll was whatever it's over it was for a thousand people so you can take it with a grain of salt if you want Mm -hmm. Sixty-five percent agreed with enacting the Emergency Measures Act, and this is when Trudeau actually came. I mean, he's he yeah. lied through his teeth, but he That's also crazy. but he also said straight out that oh well, we were given the plan, but the plan from Ottawa to you know negotiate an ending to the to the protest said, but we didn't read it, but we know it wasn't going to work. Uh, we received the we got a plan from the RCMP, but we didn't look at that either. He's telling you straight out, like, I mean, that, that was like straight out of the Simpsons. Like, I was elected to lead, not to read. Yeah. No, but, no, but I mean, he, we, like, we didn't read the plan that they gave us of how to, like, solve this peacefully. Yeah. yeah. We're just going to go in and take away civil liberties because people felt like they might be threatened. Yeah. Like, everything well, that came out of that inquiry, there was no violence, there was no nothing. Just we'll, we'll we'll do a periodic Canada check with you because I think you are our fourth or fifth guest. We had Phil Goslin, David Cray, uh, 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 oh, K. K is Canadian. She lives in Okay. No. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Clarity. Clarity. Yeah. 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 yeah she's she's from Saskatchewan. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, we'll do we'll we'll do Canada check in with you and you come back on and hopefully it's. <laughs> It's because it looks pretty bleak right now. Not, yeah. not gonna lie. Uh, oh God! It's until we have another election, and hopefully get Trudeau out of here. Yeah, yeah. I I can't stand him. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, this is a lot well, of fun. Thank you. Thank and, you yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, let's let's have you back on soon. And uh, yeah, we'll do a Canada check in and uh, <laughs> check in Canada. And uh, yeah, oh, we'll, we'll we'll. we'll We'll post your, your 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 Twitter account and your 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 podcast, which I definitely recommend. I think it's uh you know it's like we get the reckless muse and the dangerous speech. So uh, I think that uh, you're covering a lot of similar topics. So I definitely recommend uh, people go check out your your podcast. Um, but uh, thanks again, man. Oh, cool. No, thank you. All right. All Take right. care. Everybody. See you online. Stay reckless. <laughs>